says, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said, Regarding Lulu. We were trying to figure out what to call the Reed fans. Somebody had suggested something that has boiled down to lubes. Ah. About lubes. Lubes. Still convinced it's more dudes than chicks. How I about I could be lube wrong. dudes? Lube dudes. <laughs> dudes. Dudes on lubes. That kind of sums it up, right? I think that's really it. But hey, welcome, everyone. Whether you listen to Metallica, whether you listen to Lou Reed, whether you listen to uh, neither of those and just kind of stumbled upon us, but welcome. This is uh, Regarding Lulu, the only podcast on the Deep Dive Podcast Network uh, that I know of right now that uh, is dissecting the album Lulu by Lou Reed and Metallica, released in 2011. When it was released, it was widely panned by fans and critics alike. Uh, was that derision? Uh, deserved. We're here to find out. We're listening track by track, going back. I'm Chaz Charles, co-host, along with Greg Wolf, Wolfie Wolf. Want to say hello? Hey, hey Chaz. Yeah, great you, to be back on the podcast for episode three. Very excited. Wolfie, I, I am excited as well. It's a, It's been a big week, but together we're going to be it's going been a to huge track week. number three. It's been a huge week, week a huge in the world week. of Lulu. Probably the biggest week, probably in 10 years in the Who world. Who the hell could have anticipated this? I guarantee you. Well, we'll you know, maybe, maybe we did and maybe we didn't. We're well, not saying. We're not saying. No, I was going to go into full disclosure mode, but now you just shut me down on that. I don't know that I should. Well, maybe we have an inside track nerves. into uh, Lou Reed's publisher and ah. we, we knew what was going to be in the new uh, book. Right, so in the new book, the the art of the straight line that came out this week. Tell as, the good people as about we the we book. Are on Chad. this journey, I need to sum up. So, I, what I, one of the things I've learned, Greg, in the past week is that we we have to have a format for starting the show, and we need to let people who may be just joining us for the first time know what we're about. Like every episode, so Absolutely we have critical. not established format with our two prior episodes episode two our zep two just being in the books two weeks ago we were so happy with it it was so cool and we're just doing this little podcast and we're just doing our thing and we're very happy with it so um in in the ensuing time i have learned that that's what we want to do so to sum up we're here wolfie and i i'm Chaz. he's wolfie and we're here Hello. to go through uh lulu track by track to see was the uh, derision that was hoisted upon this album upon its release Back in 2011, yeah, foisted, foisted. Uh, Lou Reed's last work uh, was was just man, uh, totally trashed when it came out. Was that criticism deserved? Uh, we're here to find out. We've gone through two, two tracks so far. This week we are into track three, um, and so we've been doing this for a little over a month now, Greg. And um, this is where let's get back to what the hell we were just discussing. Who could have predicted? Well, maybe we could have, maybe not. But uh, should we should we bring everybody up to speed on sort of uh, the first two episodes where we are now? Uh, oh, do we want to do that every week? Because we, we can well, just just quickly, right? I mean, we, sure, we okay. had episode one, track one. We had episode two, track two, and we're still trying to come to grips with. You know, is it is it a masterpiece or, it, you know, was the criticism a masterpiece? Right, we're, exactly. We're trying to come to grips, and and uh, you know, it's we're All still context. in that um, 
I think we're. I think to bring everyone up to speed, we're still in the phase of. Well, we're not quite sure yet. We're we need to do more work. <laughs> yeah, we are definitely not quite sure. So to give a little more context, let me heap on there. So in case this is your first time in or you need a reminder, I listened to it when it came out in 2011. I waited for it to come out. I got it. I listened to it. I threw it away. I was so disappointed. I was just profoundly disappointed in what I heard. But it was the biggest piece of shit I've ever heard. Ever. Truly. And, and you, worse you than wondered. Lenin and, and, well, hold on. Let me just, because this yeah. is my standard elevator pitch, right? All right. Worse Good. than Two Virgins by Lenin and, and Yoko Ono. Um, so that's where this album stood for me and has for all that time. So 12 years since it came out. Now, Greg, you wanted to add? I just wanted to uh, interject that that it's important to know that that you bought that album as a diehard Metallica fan, hoping to hear some good Metallica music, right? Thank you. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I was hoping to really hear something really interesting because um, I was, I would say, a kind of walking Lou Reed fan. So just kind of guy that could certainly name all the hits, maybe a couple tracks deeper now that I realize I've revisited some of the older stuff. Um, so maybe I know, you know, some Lou Reed from way back but um, not a huge fan, whereas Greg, much bigger fan of Lou Reed and no real background with Metallica. Right, Greg? Not uh, even, you know, uh, I think more of a, a, a Lou Reed, more of a Lou Reed fan than you are, Chaz, yeah. Uh, yeah. not a Metallica fan. Uh, but, you know, Lou was I, I, I by no means was a huge Lou Reed fan, but aware of him. Uh, ha had some music in my collection that I that I listened to. So yes, I I I, I was a fan of his, but um, not super deep either into Lou. And that's but a not, but completely no uh, connection to Metallica, other right. than hearing what was played, you know, broadly uh, on the, their most popular stuff. Every time you went to Buffalo Chicken Wings, right? You sat down, you heard Enter Sandman or whatever was on the radio. You're exactly. like, oh, that's just, just that. Just that. You can yeah, identify just... Metallica. Did you hear about, speaking of Buffalo Chicken Wings, and I'm glad you brought that up, Chaz, did you yeah. hear the latest controversy? I haven't. There is, is there controversy? Uh, there's currently a lawsuit, uh, Chaz. Um, With Buffalo and... Chicken Wings. Yeah, I think it's it's important for the people to to know the news. Okay. And, and, yeah, and sure. Stay up on this. This is history. Um, to this stay abreast, uh, uh, you know, no, it's like corner. a chicken pun there. Um, okay. to, the I, I like what you did there. I yeah, yep. support it. Uh, so what I read this week uh, was that th this this uh, this gentleman filed a lawsuit uh, because he said that it was like there was like a false advertising from Buffalo Chicken Wings. The the boneless wings are not boneless wings. They're not wings what? at all. They're breast meat. What? Formed and sauced to be a buffalo chicken product, but it's then packed you know, in a bag, vacuum sealed, it, and shipped it, off from like no, the no, no. Well, warehouse? I mean, even at, at the restaurant, they oh. they don't like take a wing, remove the bones, and serve a boneless. Like yeah, if you yeah. get a, you can go a, 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 to a store or a restaurant, and you can get like a boneless chicken thigh I've and that's always just wondered what bone. those boneless chicken farms look like man all these blob chickens just exactly no right and so apparently buffalo wild wings was not shopping at the boneless chicken farms <laughs> and so this is a this is a huge situation that we have on our hands here with um you know boneless chicken wings that are in fact made out of breast meat How, what's your response Chaz? 
my response would be, of course, that the breast meat is the choicer cut. So, okay. Um, the why name of the it, place. Why call the it a brand wing, name though? is Buffalo Wild Wings, right? I, wings. I get that, but, you know. Um, yeah, so it kind of sounds to me like bait and switch. I don't know. I mean, I can certainly see from a consumer uh, marketing standpoint where maybe some folks at the FTC. So might... from your standpoint, maybe not a massive scandal. Not a massive scandal, but I could see where some stupid lawsuit might get standing and, then, you know, could become some stupid story that we keep hearing about. Yes. Yes. But wow. Well, it sounds like you know? from your standpoint, the idea of a, of a boneless wing made out of Breast boneless meat chickens, dude. With just, with a delicious buffalo sauce. The boneless chickens is, I'm still stuck on. I'm, yes, I'm but it, that's an appeal to you. That sounds appealing. It's fact. actually not bad, right? To me, that's a bonus because that's like- I'm with you. I'm with you. Right? I, think a, yeah. I, think, I think having, you know, a bo like a quote unquote boneless chicken wing made out of breast meat with that delicious buffalo sauce, that's a fine, fine thing to serve. That's what I want. I, I pay and more for it. Because it's not really made out of a wing, that's not a huge problem for me. I don't care. I don't even give a shit. I think you're I you're on the money wife. with the the quality is actually improved by it not being a wing meat. You are which is a lesser cut of meat. Dead on, man. Yeah, cuz I'm when I'm going there too, think about it, right? You're going for experience. You're typically going to meet your friends, drink some beer, eat some wings, watch a game, you know, you're there with your kids sports team, you know strategizing or whatever i mean you know you go there because the sauce i mean come on let's be real right it's what yeah. they put in a sauce you could put that yeah. shit on anything yeah but if i come mean on. if you want a wing with bone in it you get that well, if you, you want know, something you want without bone, bones why not get a choice in, cut man? of meat well you know what i'm always looking for the choices cut of meat and you know if i want to put a bone in that then you know i'm gonna yeah. do that and i'm yeah, gonna do no, it down I, I mean, there I with that. some with some I know sauce, that. I know that about you. Mix and, it and up the, and pump some blood. What's that? Our audience knows it about you as well now. Apparently now, God, <laughs> if I said too much, my Learning inner dialogue has betrayed me yet again. Personal information, nothing. No, nothing too revealing. But we well, digress. But there's so much more to talk about, Greg. This is the thing. It's about the wings or or, or, or a difference. The buffalo wings was a real uh, kind of digression. I don't think anyone expected. Um, do you think do you think Lou uh, was a fan of wings? I bet the boys in Metallica could slop down a couple of plates. You know, if I had to guess, I'd say the Metallica guy's probably more so than Lou. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, yeah. A, it's an excellent question. It really it needs to be delved into further, and we'll have to cover that maybe in the next episode. Yeah, I think we have to do a couple of hashtags when we post this one: Buffalo Wings, Metallica, Lou Reed. Maybe come up yes. with some kind of smash together hashtag and make that story happen. Yes. All right. Because there were so but many other stories. We just want to make sure from legal standpoint, our, our, our lawyers advised us, right? You know, we take no stance on, on the validity of this lawsuit. We're merely reporting oh, it as a news item. That's apparently, well, and it wasn't even in the script. You brought that up extemporaneously, and I think it worked well, out. Well, you brought it up. You said Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know why anymore, because we it's been such a long time since you first brought it up, but you I, did bring it up. Yeah, I don't know, because it's certainly not that, like, you know, you'd be sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings hearing Lulu in the background. As oh, mood, that's why. you Metallica. When as mood music. Why? No. It's Metallica you'd be hearing, right? You'd definitely be hearing Metallica as you sat down at Buffalo Wild Wings, which is apparently something, as we've come to now find out, you've never done. 
sat at Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. Am that's I right true. in that? I think that's correct. I don't think Holy I maybe man. maybe once, maybe once. No, I don't think so, man. No? I don't think so. Never. No, I don't think you've ever been in a Buffalo Wild Wings. Sherlock Holmes. I'm feeling Holmes, like, I'm feeling like maybe I was once. Really? Okay. But but I wouldn't swear to it. <laughs> I do like chicken wings, though. I I'm am gonna a wings tell you what, fan. If you were in Buffalo Wild Wings and you heard Metallica in the background, you would be like, oh, that's Metallica. If it yes. caught your ear, yes. you know, beyond you paying attention to, you know, whatever tournament you were watching on the big screens with your buds. Exactly. Do you remember what you might have been watching when you were there? When I might have been there? When you might have been there. <laughs> I when I might have been there. So you, I have this vague memory that I might have been at a Buffalo Wild Wings when I was traveling on business. And I'm thinking it might have been in Texas. Do they have Buffalo Wild Wings in Texas? Oh, shit. I don't know. I would assume they do. They're a national chain. But I, where, wherever I was, it was. I think I was traveling for work, and I just had to get get some food, you know. And I just popped out of the hotel or whatever, and went over to something close by. And I think I just got some food, sat at the bar, and you know, hung out with my fellow road warriors, uh, probably listening to Metallica, watching some games, someplace some in games. Austin or Fort Worth or Killeen. Maybe, yeah. Any of those places sound familiar? I've Good been, I've been, oh, I've shit. been on business in in Austin and Fort Worth. Okay, there you go. May, so maybe that was it. What year? I'm going to say in the last ten years. Last ten years. Okay, so well, uh, Metallica at this point, you know, beyond being mega stars that they are now. So yes, sure, you may have very well been in the Buffalo Wild Wings and heard Metallica in the background. I think I did. I bet you did, man. But it wasn't Lulu that you heard in the background. And no. you know what? The thing is, people probably haven't heard about Lulu much for maybe 11 years, right? So maybe the first six months after it came out, a lot of people were talking about it. Maybe people heard about it again when, when Lou died, when, when we passed on. Um, but people haven't really, I can't imagine anyone's been talking about this thing. I certainly haven't heard. And I follow, you know, on social media. I'm a musician and I'm a geek. And I, you know, so I follow the stuff that I'm interested in. keep up in. on this stuff. I do, and I keep up on this stuff. So I'm very trivial that way, you know. And mm -hmm. um, you know, bottom line no, is. It's I great. It's great. It's your Lulu. interest. Greg, I haven't seen anything about Lulu in the news. No, definitely not. 20, 10 years. 10 Until years. when? Until this past friggin' week, Greg, give me a break, oh my God. Greg. Are you serious? I'm not friggin' kidding. So, and not just once, Greg. We've got some friggin' news to cover this week. That's just all right. Insane. Let's do it. See, I didn't think we were gonna have to put this into our podcast format. This is the news segment of the podcast. This is a new segment co covering the news. What happened with Metallica and Lou Reed the past week? Because now, oh, well, first, what happened with Buffalo Wild Wings? Now we're moving on. Now, well, okay, we've gotten past the 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 yeah the great news tidbit for the week, and I think yes, great news segment, and we can always tie in as we did our subject matter material. It was there. So, um, but now. We're on to the actual news of the week, the outside news, which mm -hmm. included something from Lou Reed and something, as we knew, from Metallica. So we did know that Metallica's new record was in the stages of coming out, uh, right? Um, as we kind of, as as we started this podcast last week, we visited with the most recent track 
from the record that has yet to still be released. What's it called? It's called 72, 72 Seasons. Yes, and it's coming out on April 14th. So we have, uh, as we know, uh, last week we uh, debuted uh, one of the tracks that they released. And um, so we knew that was coming out, but we didn't know this, that this week we would see a new track released from none other than Lou Reed. Unbelievable. Right? Who would have known? I had no idea Lou was releasing new music because Lou's been dead now for quite a while. Not only did Lou release. He, he's that good. That he's even when that he's that good, good. Right. He's that good. Yep. And that, and that's exactly it. He is so good. In fact, he has come back to give us a new track that he called open invitation that I actually, I got to say, I actually dig it. And you know, it's really funny for well, me. To why be wouldn't you, right? About, it's the great Lou Reed the great Lou Reed and it's a great new track and here it is now just kicking up in the background very Lou right very quintessentially this Lou got what what a great groove I'm totally feeling Greenwich Village I'm totally feeling downtown he's always got that like tasty bass and drum groove going and then yep. and then whatever he does on guitar right on top of it but he's always got that yeah yeah man. bass and drums going on and the repetitive groove. I think we agreed last week that, he, that, he, that they're using uh, some frets on there, too. Maybe we didn't, but that's what it sounds like. Well, this is brand new. We have not talked about this. This came no, out. No, not long. this one, just it, but on some of the other tracks. That, oh, that yeah, Lou yeah. likes to have, you know, his rhythm section, his bass player seems to play a fret. You have said that, yeah. Yeah, I'm not that big a fan to understand. Yeah, this I'm loving this new track. Um, and so I don't know if there's more to come on that. I haven't done any research. But what we do know is that there was a book released called The Art of the Straight Line. And it captures the energy of Lou Reed's worlds of Tai Chi, music and meditation, edited by his wife, the artist, Lori Anderson. Lori Anderson. With, Did you crack uh, it open, uh, Chaz? I have actually cracked this book open. I have as well. Oh, good for you. I'm, ex so I'm excited. I'm excited hours. for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, I yeah. I, you know, I, I I like the subject matter. I like the the spiritualness. I like the spiritual side of Lou. I like the the uh, Eastern, uh, you know, um, uh. What's what's the term? It, it, it's um, like martial. I guess it's a martial art, right? Is that fair to say? Tai, tai Chi, Chi? Yeah, Tai Chi absolutely is, and that's what and and uh, this song, "Open Invitation," almost seems to me like a Tai Chi meditation. Well, um, it, it, isn't that isn't that the lyric? It's an open invitation to Tai Chi, right? Tai Chi, Tai Chi, something Chua or something. But yeah, that's and that's all he's saying. Um, yeah, so I, I really I'm actually digging it. And yeah, yes, and I think uh, in the in in the forward, Chaz, am I right that um, by Lori Anderson? Lose... So yeah, that the book is forwarded, and it's a compilation that Lori put together with some folks. But but um, um, in, in the forward that Lori Anderson writes in in in, in introducing the, at the beginning of the book, she she talks about Lou's passion for Tai Chi and for spreading the the you know the Tai Chi way and and teaching you know teaching people teaching about Tai Chi teaching people some tai chi exercises and movements and and uh so 
Well, he studied with Chen Tai Chi practitioner, Master Ray Goy, uh, Goyi. Um, so he's he was, you know, really into this to the extent that, you know, he spent many an hour, um, I would imagine, uh, in, in practice and meditation. And as I understand it, toward the end of his life, yes, that's a, a lot of what was consuming his time. Um, so this book is really cool because it's got conversations with, uh, you know, people from his peers, uh, his friends, other people that do Tai Chi. Um, you know, she goes into with many recollections of the period when they were recording Lulu. So she is one of those people that kind of put forward this idea that, you know, Lulu was perhaps his masterpiece. And so, Greg, as I was reading, I've gotten as far as to find um, a reference going back to what was the catalyst for our podcast was hearing that David Bowie himself called this thing. It was he said it was going to be Lou Reed's masterpiece. Right. So in in the book. Um, she's uh, at a point where she's talking about something. Um, let me just quote from the book here. I'll just jump right in. So assume that there's a friendly ellipsis uh, before what I'm about to read. Um, so uh, he always made work about what he was going through. Uh, the angry period, the happy period. Uh, Lou was in excruciating pain while making Lou Lou, which was his last record. And if you listen, it's interesting. Warren Zevon's last record or Leonard Cohen's, even Bowie's. It's ready, my Lord. Lou was not ready, my Lord. He was fuck you, Lord. Uh, it was a fuck you record. David Bowie pointed out it might be the most honest record ever. So first Bowie sighting that I've gotten to in the book. Uh, and there it is. So a little different spin on the, the uh, quote that I had uh, uh, seen in several places on the Internet that Bowie said it was a masterpiece. But um, interesting to kind of take that context of it, that not only that, but Bowie now, we've got this as, as now directly in print in the new book that just came out this past week. Um, David Bowie pointed out it might be the most honest record ever. And now we know that Lou was in excruciating pain while, while making this record. So uh, as well, right? I think as yeah, we saw and, and this in the video, as we watched, he was tired. He had tears. Oh, that was another thing I saw somewhere along the line in the press for the book this week. Um, I oh, I think it was uh, Kirk Hammett was recalling that on the set of the video that we watched along with uh, um, uh, the the view, which was the the, the single released from Lulu, um, we see Lou Reed again, very tired, and he's crying. And Kirk made it a point of talking about in this interview that that was real, and Lou just kind of burst into tears while they were all there together filming that and playing. So they were jamming and playing at the same time as we thought from what we saw in the setup in the video. Um, and again, if you haven't seen it for The View, I, I got to say, honestly, my takeaway from The View as a song, I walked away, I, you know, I was, I'm 50-50 now, didn't like Brandenburg Gate, I like The View. So, so far, the work is stacked up to me, 50-50. So there you go. My full my full disclosure on where am I at, that's where I'm at. But um so now we know, though, he was going through a lot more than just maybe reacting emotionally to the music or what's going on there, right? And that, in yeah. fact, what else I saw somewhere was that that was not out of character for Lou to be that emotional when he was recording. Ah, interesting. Yeah. But that adds, I think that adds a, a real um, important perspective that we did not have uh, on the first two tracks and the first two episodes of the podcast to know that Lulu, uh, that not Lulu, but Lou Reed was in such um, pain uh, physically. Uh, uh, he decided you know, he to was, make a fuck you record. 
when he was making the record. Um, and, and it's interesting that they brought up um, uh, Warren Zevon, who had uh, um, lung cancer. cancer right. Uh, yeah, he had cancer. And, yeah. and, and I, I have his final album and you can you can with that album, you can hear that he's not at 100 uh, percent vocally. He doesn't have the lung power left, you know, that, that he did when he was younger and healthier. Um, uh, so that's it. And, and, and he's, and some of the songs, I mean, that one is a very different album, uh, obviously than what Lou Reed is doing here. It's very personal and, and he's really talking about, you know, um, or at least referring to his, you can, you know, sense that, that, that it's like a goodbye letter almost, um, that album. So, um, it's that's that's interesting to put that into that perspective. I didn't, you know, until until you read that's that. That's what she said. That's what she said about this one. That this is what Lou was doing. He was yeah, dead. I didn't realize that this. I, I mean, we knew obviously he that he died not long after making this record, but I didn't view it as sort of you know this was something that he was making um, as he was dying or or sort of a, you know, a last sort of message he wanted to put out to the world in the way that uh, Warren Zevon uh, on his final album that he made very shortly before he died. Yep. Yep. And what was, you know, so um, the, the fact that people are talking about this now, I think, Greg, we're going to learn perhaps a whole lot more and come to appreciate this work, I think, a whole lot more with the stuff that's coming out. So there's additional context. So again, we haven't gotten through this entire book yet, and we will as we go through the podcast here. Um, but um, what's really interesting is that now, well, members of Metallica who haven't talked about this thing in forever are talking about Lulu again. So uh, in the news this week, uh, via Loudwire, Lars Ulrich himself um, being quoted, uh, again, kind of where we had heard about, you know, this book being out, but a uh, quote from the book, uh, Lars saying, what the fuck is it about Lulu that it got that kind of reaction? I can't quite figure it out, but years later, it's aged extremely well. It sounds like a motherfucker still. I can only put the reaction down to ignorance. It took our fans to a place I wish they could go more often. Maybe it would be a better time to release it now with what's going on outside in the world, the chaos. I don't know, but I'm very proud of this record. Ellipsis, James Hetfield, Metallica's frontman. James and I would be figuring out ways through a piece of music, and then Lou would look over and go, that's it. I'm not doing another fucking take of that. And that's not the way we usually worked, but it was so beautiful and great, the whole thing. So Lars waxing nostalgic about the whole period and being bodacious enough to say that the thing is aged well. So, hey, Lars, guess what? Here we are, 2023. Greg and I are just pretending that shit, you know, 2011 never happened. This thing never came out. It's here now. We're listening to it track by track. Lars, if you want to come out, listen with us, please. You want to add your context, uh, give us the behind the scenes. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Lou was thinking uh, when this was happening. Um, would love to get direct input from, gosh, not only are we seeing quotes out here now in the press from Lars Ulrich, but again, Kirk Hammond, uh, you know, Kirk feeling that it was a real accomplishment as far as he was concerned, Greg. Chaz, uh, you know. would, would, it be, would it be okay if I said... 
It's an open invitation. Yes, absolutely. To quote Lou Reed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We could not have set that up any better. So here we are. This week, Qu- quoting Lou on his on his uh, on his new song, on his we, posthumous release that Chaz has already uh, stated Open. publicly that he likes. He I'm likes the song it. "Open Invitation." Uh, I am Lou there. Reed, so I am there. But yes, yeah, so so I think I think what we're saying is there's no open invitation for for uh, Lars and and the guys anyone from Metallica in the Metallica and, camp. Yeah that wants to talk about this. And, you know, and I wouldn't just extend that to anyone in Metallica, but I want to extend that to the Metalliverse uh, because it's wide and deep. Um, So as this news has been breaking, Greg, um, other things happened for us in the past week. It's, it's been a big two weeks. So uh, to get people, cause we still have a, we have a seven minute song to get through. Gosh. Um, was on so we should allocate at least seven minutes, right? At least song. seven minutes of the podcast to this next piece, this next track called Pumping Blood, track number three. But uh, in the past two weeks, um, I was a guest. I was uh, 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 very honored to be a guest on um, And the Podcast Will Rock uh, with Corey and Mark and uh, CJ, the author of the uh, Van Halen Encyclopedia. Uh, and we together got perhaps the worst piece of shit Van Halen song ever released called Once off of Van Halen 3. And I said at the time that I was bringing the Lulu taint, I think maybe to their podcast. And so (laughs) I don't know that I'll, in fact, I think at one point Mark put me in the timeout, so I can't go back for a while. Um, Yeah. So it kind of, it didn't end so well, but it was a great, you know, right up until the point. um, It was a great. It completely uh, fell apart. It completely fell apart. But until that point, wonderful visit with those guys. And again, I want to thank them for having us on. And and they gave us time to promote ourselves. And with that, people have been learning more about us and talking about us. Uh, Our friends at the Deep Dive Podcasting Network tying us to stories like this one, uh, quite frankly. I found out about uh, what was going on with the Lou Reed book. Um, as a result of tweets that were going out from our friends at the Deep Dive Podcast Networks that was basically retweeting the Mitch LaFont story tied to the new Lou Reed book. Uh, So a lot of people have found out about us as a result. Uh, And then, too, people commenting on our posts, uh, people getting excited about the idea that we have a podcast, that we're here, that we're doing things, people saying things like, podcast about Lulu, sign me up. Uh, so we got a bunch of new listeners. We've grown. I think we've almost doubled in our uh, follow count on Twitter. So thank you all for being with us. And uh, I think, you know, Greg, if we spend too much more time in the news or catching up with stuff like this, we're going to lose listeners. I don't know. What do you think? Because we've got some. I think, yeah, I think I think definitely we should get to it to the meat we've got of the some podcast, music to get to. right right yeah we've got some music uh, i think we're at the point where we're still charitable enough to call it music there are those that were commenting on the podcast that i was on that this really can't be regarded uh, as that in its entirety but we are reserving comment on that we are because if we're not anything we're not fair what is it yes. craig if we're uh... We're nothing if we're not. We're, if, we're nothing if not fair. We're nothing if right. we're fair. No, if not fair. Not fair. Right. Meaning we are motto. fair. We're always fair. 
we're firmly committed to that. We stand by that. Fairness we, is is one of our central sort of guiding principles, I would say. Especially fair, fair use. Yes, but, especially fair use. You know, I, yeah, it doesn't sound like from the tweets that that at least those people are are coming around yet to to Lars's viewpoint um and 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 David Bowie's viewpoint uh, prior to that about the the mastery of this uh of this recording this album but but you I know there's say i think prevailing wind sometimes still it takes prevails. time right yep. sometimes it takes time and and it doesn't mean that that people will not get there it's just they're not there yet and we'll have to just keep an eye on what's going on out there in in the metallica world and 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 beyond and and see if if the um sentiments start to change maybe maybe you know people start to come around a little bit so we'll see we and will see, see. It feels like we've started to come around a little bit already, even just a couple tracks in, we've started to maybe not necessarily pan this out of hand and say this is this is garbage and and is not not a not a good record. So so you know, I mean, we've we're, we definitely are, are committed to the principle of of an open mind. So um, we will listen to the whole thing for for sure, and we're, we've committed to that to all ten tracks, but. Um, and and being fair, um, as you well, and I out. think we I think we've committed to attacking ignorance head on, as Lars was concerned with, right? So we we're absolutely to the place of informing ourselves about this. We just said, hey, look, somebody who we esteem, right, really had something really great to say about this piece of work that took us by surprise, and so we've decided to go back and, in an unbiased way, put a, put aside acknowledged bias to say. You know, was that a fair position for us to take, for me to take? And you're you're just approaching this as something brand new, but we are coming at it from a place of being informed about it by the source material. So that's one of our slants, right? So we want to keep that in mind. And I've made a big note for myself here to constantly come back to Lulu, come back to the play, come back as we're listening to this next track here today, track three, Pumping Blood, keeping the context of what we've got with track one and track two at this point, which again, as we were kind of describing before, Greg, I don't know at this point how closely tied we are to the source material other than we have been able to, to sniff out uh, some of the common themes from what we know about the play Lulu, uh, that is the source material written by Frank Wiedekind, uh, you know, for again, those that are just new to the podcast, the source material, two plays written by uh, playwright Frank Wiedekind uh, back in 1895, uh, 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 early 1900s, collectively known as the Lulu plays. They were Lou Reed's inspiration for this uh, about a young prostitute who ends up uh, uh, in the world of uh, salacious sex and the, the lives of those in the Berlin, uh, I would say, uh, creative community uh, and um, uh, art. The theater community, right? Really, the theater community. Yeah, that entire group. But it was theater. It was publishing. It was, I mean, as we it was the, painters as well, right? Right, right. It was the whole creative kind of you know community that I think, Greg, you kind of astutely pointed to. Something that probably drew Lou Reed to the work itself is that when it was being derived and from that scene, uh, very similar to where he's from in New York City, uh, coming up in the 60s, 70s, uh, with what was going on there. Sounds like Berlin and the creative and the arts community uh, yeah. at the time that the, the Lulu plays were being written and then being put out there to challenge societal norms with regard to bourgeois attitudes towards sex. 
uh, were very much uh, very similar, you know, kind of akimbo to what was going on with where Lou, he was. Lou, Lou Reed could relate from his own experience. Exactly. And that's where it gave him the inspiration. But now we know I, that it's just really weird, right? Kind of like that's what he's taken um, during this period of time when he's going through all this, like, you know, anguish and pain and he's sick. So really interesting, uh, you know, as we kind of try to circle back around to being here with now the music which is what and, we uh, Chaz, if i can say it, it it makes it you know really a an interesting a uniquely interesting uh recording to analyze because i mean how often do, do you get a, a record that you know has such a close connection to this other work right right the the, the lulu place and at the same time as we as we learned uh from the book that came out this week um you know, something that was was being um, created when Lou was very, very ill and 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 close to the end of his life and 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 was in a lot of pain, we learned. Uh, and so that, you know, those factors make this this something that that is is really uniquely interesting, I think, uh, you know, a lot of times you come to a record and there isn't a lot of other factors that you consider other than the guys, you know, got to, or, or, or women, whoever the artists got together to, to write songs and, and record some music. Right. But, but the, 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 the factor, these other factors happening and influencing what was, was being created here are profound. Uh, this is, this is something kind of unique uh, for us to look at and, and makes it, really interesting to to there's so much more to analyze because of those factors i think and all i can do is thank laurie anderson i can thank the folks in the metallica camp for putting this stuff this content out now to enhance our experience and give us this greater contextual background as we go through the tracks i mean it's almost as if it was planned but uh yeah maybe i i don't want to we don't want to go there right we don't want to speculate <laughs> So we're not going to do Was it that. planned? Jess? You know what? It's almost like it was planned. Huh. Almost. Yeah. And and what we also, you know, again, I mean, you know, okay. in, the, in the interest of fairness, it might have been. You're being like, very coy, Jazz, about uh, what's going on here. And the, the All timing. I said was in the interest of fairness, because, again, we are not fair. We're, we're, we're nothing. Not, we're nothing. We're nothing. And, if and, not fair. If not fair. And... You know, in the interest of fairness, it may or may not have been planned. So with that, we're at track three now, right? So I think we need to get into that okay? because we've spent a lot of time rambling at this point. This is going to be a long episode. So seven minutes, 24 seconds, pumping blood. Um, I remember, I think that again, I think this was my favorite song on the album when I heard it one and a half times. So it's a more accessible track, maybe? It is a little more accessible. Um, but I'm just so excited now and I'm pumped. We just have to go. It's been so exciting. Let's just get it. We're pumped for pumping blood. We're going. And here it is. Starts off with the strings.
whoa, what's happening there? Sounds like a bee swarm. He's just yeah. taking that slightly out of tune. That, that's mm. creepy. I like the buildup so far. I'm seeing yeah, you. It's like you it. bang so your head far, a little bit. Really, you love it? Yeah, okay. great. Works great. All right. just say like bees over the air i'm not saying that i heard it i thought i heard it yeah yeah it's it's on the lyrics yeah swarming like bees over the air there you go okay i see it yes okay i see it now yeah so, so. you you, so you heard that before you even heard the lyrics you heard I it did. musically interesting they went right there wow I, I did that i didn't make that connection from that introductory you know the the uh, is that a guitar that's making that sound yeah, that's definitely that's Kirk. Yeah, um, I didn't connect that to the bees the way you did, but but you were I think you were on the mark because the lyrics uh, yep. it says swarming like bees. Yeah, and I cannot say that I that that stands out to me or remember that at all. I just remember the general, you know, what we heard in the lead in. So you know, the bumping blood, bumping blood. You know, I mean, uh, which was funny because looking in Spotify as we were trying to follow the lyrics there, it does not start with his. Uh, rant of pumping blood uh so went and scrambled yeah, this one is more accurate more accurate over here on google but anyway i'd i wonder what kirk was doing so let's keep going if i can find the play button here we go Off the pump, off the thing, the blood that I'm pumping away. If I pump blood in the sunshine, and you wear a leather box with azaleas, and I pump more blood, and it seeps through my skin, will you adore the river, the stream, the trickle, the tributary of my heart, as I pump more blood, and it seeps through my skin, will you adore the river? The stream, the trickle, the tributary of my heart. Uh, okay. Thoughts? Well, I think lyrically, um, we're seeing a lot of, of something that sounds uh, familiar from the earlier tracks where 
Lou is uh, never very straightforward, I think, in his lyrics. He, he, he you know, it, he, um, uh, it's, it's not, you know, we're, we're trying to puzzle a bit like we were on the other tracks, you know, what, is, what is he trying to say? And, and, you know, are these metaphorically, what is he getting at here? Uh, literally, you know, is what's, is, what's he trying to communicate? Right. So it's, it's, I, I, I think that that's my reaction. My initial reaction to the lyrics is I'm, you know, it's not clear to me, um, you know, what he's, what he's trying to communicate with this song um about pumping blood um i think you know we were able to to sort of dissect and and maybe make some sense and 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 some connections to to the lulu plays on the prior tracks um and, and see where he's coming from this one i don't know so far uh jazz i'm not it's not clicking with me exactly uh the connection to the source material um what lou is is trying to to communicate with this song yeah, and then, but i did think it was up. interesting how musically you know we started out with that that heavy metal riff going yeah. and then it really kind of came down right into this quieter section where lou and we've heard lou you know he's been doing his talk singing on, on this album a lot where he's he's talking he's singing he's screaming uh he's doing a lot of things and then and then here in the second section the music comes down and lou is is talking you know more calmly it's very it's it's just it's not even singing hardly at all um and, and but certainly not screaming it's 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 come very very far down and very calm in this section yep yep i absolutely agree um you know with what you're talking about um so yeah right so in the first in in brandenburg gate we kind of figured out that this was lulu kind of showing up in the big city right with some big yep. ideas um but with some perhaps wicked intent not really sure right mm -hmm. um but ideas of setting out, making a name, making a making a claim for herself, and may or may not have been with blood curdling kind of uh, intent, right? Or how to do that? Um, I think her motives uh, were kind of expressed there. She's um, into the second song. We're kind of hearing back and forth, um, right? Where we're, as you said, we weren't quite sure where Lou was coming from. Like he starts out singing in in Lulu's voice. He's He's transitioning into talking and being uh, in of uh, and what we thought was of some of the men male characters in Lulu's life at that point, and I, I think now we're kind of getting to a place. And then there was a mix of things, and then I think as a, that song resolved, as a, as I'm not mistaken, James Hetfield comes in, and we're starting to think, well, was that the voice of evil, evil Lulu coming through, or was that some bigger, you know, more overarching theme or context? trying to break through here and now we get to track three yeah. and i'm almost feeling greg like now we're getting into this is a character i'm kind of leaning toward this is lulu now we're kind of getting into being in lulu like literally pumping like like getting into the idea of being within her to the point of being within her bloodstream we're getting to know her to that level um 
And I'm just, you know, I'm like these. Well, now you're now you're as you scroll ahead. Now we start to see some more literal stuff. Right. I mentioned. Oh, I haven't gone there yet. No, no. Why don't we listen? (laughs) Why don't we listen first? But then let's do that. Yes. We have the lyrics here and and, and that's so funny stuff happening. So, okay, let's do that. (laughs) If I'm pumping blood. Like a common state worker If I waggle my ass like a dark prostitute Do you think less of me? And my coagulating heart Like a dog prostitute, coagulating heart, pumping blood. Come on, James. Top me off as I leave it a curtsy while you yell out mercy. We grow apart. Would you rip and cut me? Use a knife on me. He shocked at the boldness, the coldness of this little heart. Tied up in leather, would you take the measure of the blood that I pump and the manic confusion of love? <laughs> I had to let that keep running. It's like, you know, I feel like as we're interrupting it, we're kind of taking some of the some of the venom out of this, man. So we got to back up. What are you getting now, Greg? Well, now it's just completely <laughs> flipped, right? Because the, the first section was very ambiguous, like what was happening. Yeah. Just a lot of talking about pumping blood and through the body and all this stuff. Um, veins kind of and, like stuff and then all life. of a sudden he starts to really you know show us some connections to the source material with you know we talked about lulu being have, having been a, at times a prostitute and um and that um you know when the, this whole section of be shocked at the boldness and the coldness of this little heart because right. She seems that that seems to be a characteristic of Lulu that that she does at times seem conniving and cold hearted and murderous. Um, And and, you know, I think the line about the manic confusion of love, there's this, you know, that she's she's bewitching to the to her male suitors and her husbands and her, you know, her lovers and all these men. She knows and, they they know they'll that she'll be their demise, but yet, right. Draw and so in. it does feel like there is a manic confusion of love, right? Yes. Which is a great line that Lou, that Lou has here. Lust um, and so, lies. Yeah. All of a sudden, I think. I mean, I think you were were seeing it, uh, Chaz, in terms of um, that we were inside Lulu's body, 
And yep. and then yeah. I think we were inside Lulu's mind a little bit more. Uh, yep. And, you know, she is talking, I think. I mean, it's her voice in, in, in you know, the coldness of, of my heart and recognizing that. Um, so, yeah, I think well, I think now now it's become much clearer. Well, if if you think it was much clearer, <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I can't help but laughing. Um, we're going to go into the next passage, which I just happened to uh, kind of scroll upon. So this is great. This is why we cannot listen to this in between episodes, because we truly don't know what we're going to come upon. So let, let's listen to the next interlude, Greg, uh, it, as if that wasn't, um, uh, let's say, as a profound uh, a statement of this work's art, uh, as we've heard to, to this point. Uh, let, let's go a little further. There's more. There's more. Wait, but wait, there's more. Lyrics being key. I love the music, by the way. I have to say, I love the fucking music. Supreme violation. Supreme violation. I wonder if that's an Ebo that he's using to do that. Ah, that right. might be an Ebo. Yeah, because I. But I've to your point, Chaz, uh, you know, musically, this this third track it sounds better, right? It's Ooh. more interesting musically. Yeah, dude, and this is yes, and it's an you upward build. It. And right? you just said it though. Most interesting thing musically that I think Metallica had probably ever friggin' done. I mean, in terms of being adventurous, my God, yeah. right? And and just, yeah. Clearly Lou pushed, has pushed these guys in yes. some directions that they would not have gone. And I got to say that, hats off to them, because at this point in their career, this is 2011, when they're recording this, right? They had already been to the top of the mountain and done everything over and over again. I mean, they had gone through and been as successful as you could be, gone back to their roots, gone back to being successful, you know, recorded with the symphony orchestra, and then just continued to put out, you know, great successful records. And yeah, they did the St. Anger thing. And then they put out their movie, but they were just massively successful. And here they are after all that time, putting out a record like this, that was really, because I remember now, um, I, I had, you know, because we've been doing this, I have been revisiting some of the older Metallica stuff. And so in the timeline of when um, Lulu came out, they had done the album, I think, Death Magnetic, um, which I was a real fan of. It was a return to the Metallica that I loved, right? So kind of the kid in me, is this is late, uh, you know, aughts. So like 2007 or eight, I think in there. And so I think Metallica fans will crucify us because we're not, you know, we are not Bible verse fans, folks. We are fans of the music. And so, yeah, we might get some facts wrong, but um, I was really like, oh, yeah, Metallica's back. So, again, like I was anticipating this record that they were doing with Reed because they had kind of come back in my mind, right? They're like, oh, my Metallica's back. They put out that record. Uh, it kicked ass. My son and I were both very excited about that record when it came out. Um, so, anyway, yeah, we are still um, – I, I I am just kind of killing us here because the, the best stuff is yet to come, Greg. But uh, had to stop and just say, I think creatively. Yeah, I think that's an. The tension is building. 
Yeah, the bee swarm is an Ebo. I'm going to venture to say. I would love for somebody to correct me if I'm wrong, but let's go. Yeah, yes, let's go with the that. Suspense is. took it to another level there huh yeah just when you thought <laughs> we had gotten to but, this but, break but the, and the music too right i mean the wow. whole thing oh, yeah. is building to a crescendo the metal heart pumping man my god wow yeah the cacophony in the background and i had used that kind of term you know loosely a couple of weeks ago on the podcast but that was really truly that was a cacophony they were trying to make some music in the background of Brandenburg Gate, but wow, whoa, what's going on there? I I liked it though. You know why? Because I've written songs where I've used that that what they're using as the beast form kind of common element all the way through the drone, and that always brings it back. So I love the continuity in it as a musician. So I'm digging it. I love its chaos and it's friggin' and it's a friggin' complete encapsulation of the blood, the murder, the slaughter, and the mayhem of the Lulu story, Greg. We've got it all yeah. right here. Blood in the foyer is the first killing. The bathroom is the second, the tea room, the kitchen, right? So we're getting here. And then at the end, Jack, Jack the Ripper, right? So as as we've come to understand in our research of the source material, Lulu finds her ultimate demise at the uh, end of the Blade of Jack the Ripper. Um, still hadn't kind of figured out how she got to England, and we'll talk about that, I guess, as we go through. But here we are at track three, and he's just encapsulated the entire murderous uh, scenario of the whole play. Oh, and interjecting that uh, the thing about swallowing your sharpest cutter like a colored man's dick blood yes. spurting from me so okay some really ultra violent sexual imagery that brings in racial overtones what the fuck is that about that i i don't uh, yeah i'm not sure where he's going with that yeah. that's that's uh he is he is um 
uh, being very uh, dramatic in in this in this section. He's being very strong language, uh, very strong music, as you said, kind of a cacophony of sound with the with the um, guitar, drone, beast, swarm. Uh, uh, what's the term you use? Is like a bow that's being used on the guitar strings? It sounded and, like an ebow. I'm not sure. You know, as that kind of went on, as soon as I said that, it they, like they added more to that kind of yeah. mix. But it's, something I think the beast form is like kind of like an ebow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something to get that that all that that sound happening, beast swarm sound um, that we're hearing. But yeah, really strong stuff from Lou lyrically with this. Um, so it's a lot so of blood there. in this song. It starts out pumping blood, and then the blood is spraying everywhere. It it's seems spraying like. all over. <laughs> I beseech you, a broom. Does anyone yeah. have a swifter? <laughs> I got blood everywhere. But check this out in a 2012 interview in Spin. Right. Yeah. So Ulrich is quoted as having admitted that the band was kind of caught off guard by the way Lulu was being received by folks. Right. At the time, he said that the reaction, it was was so much more spiteful than anybody had been prepared for, especially Lou. Right. Um, and, and Ulrich's point was that Lou was a really sweet guy. But, you know, with Metallica doing an impulsive riffing and Lou reciting abstract poetry about German bohemians from 150 years ago, uh, even Lower, Ulrich himself is saying it can be a little difficult to embrace. And so he was asked whether the band had any second thoughts over doing this over some of Reed's lyrics like, I swallow your sharpest cutter like a colored man's dick. And Ulrich says, hey, I understand that some 13-year-old in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, it can all seem a little cringeworthy, but to someone raised in an art community in Copenhagen in the late 60s, that was expected. So this is interesting to note that this was called out because this did, this lyric particularly, did receive a lot of criticism when it came out um, for exactly what we're kind of talking about here. And I don't know, and I think we can go and maybe even research it even more, see what people were saying about it. But, um, you know, here we're, we're clearly seeing that, um, you know, uh, no, no, uh, uh, fear going into this with the boys in Metallica. They knew what they were into with Lou Reed. And here we are, we're at track three. Or, or did they, I mean, they, they were, they were caught off guard a bit, right? Well, they were caught off by, caught off guard by the reaction. But what I'm but hearing in, him in say in terms of is, did they know what they were getting themselves into? I think they did. And what he's saying, so maybe oh, and here's a piece of context that you don't have, right? So Lars is from Copenhagen, mm-hmm. and so he's referring to himself there, right? So being yeah, I figure our community, yeah, like you know, he was, you know, they were not put off. Is what I'm kind of seeing. I see what you're saying. Yeah. What Lou, he was not put off by what Lou was doing, by the 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 poetry, by the 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 powerful right. language. He was not right. put off by that. But in terms of, did they know what they were getting themselves into as a band, as, yeah, as a commercial know, right? enterprise that's a public, you know, enterprise that was going to. You know what it made me think of though, Chaz, which is kind of interesting and I hadn't thought of before, is let's contrast maybe. Um, Lou Reed's audience to Metallica's audience, right? So if right. people were like Metallica fans, um, you know, they might have been frightened uh, and 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 found some inappropriate content. In this, absolutely, yes. 
Um, so not, not whereas I think that's very unlikely with someone who's a Lou Reed fan. If they came to this, they'd be like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know? Well, this like, line... Lou's a great artist and it's a, it's a little, it's a little disturbing, but it, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's what I was kind of getting at. Okay. Okay. I see where you're at. But I, I don't, I don't think there'd be a lot of, you know, unintentional 15 year olds coming across this if they were Lou Reed fans. Yeah, you're probably right. So it is a more mature work, but still, even that said, I'm having a hard time knowing the source material. And with where we're at, this line about uh, the colored man's uh, pecker. So, you know, we just got to, I, I don't want to, I don't want to let him off the hook by kind of, we, cause we kind of gone through like, well, you know, the story's here. We're, we're seeing the whole thing, like beginning to end. He's like, we're at the third track now. And, and he's, you know, we're, we're already at the end of the story. Where's this going to go from here? We know that they're saying that there are 10 stories and that's what's supposed to make this thing up. So I um, think what you're saying, Greg, about, you know, where they're coming from, the audiences, the differences in them. Um, I'm there with you. You know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, though, Metallica, they've never been afraid of artistic controversy um, yeah. using the works of Sereno. Um, uh, I, that was, I, I guess the most outrageous thing that they had done to me that was crossed over into any other art community that there's this. And the only reason I know about this is because I'm a Metallica fan, but there's an artist named Andre Serrano. He created some works back in the eighties or nineties. Uh, one of them was called piss Christ. It was, um, a depict, it was a, a, a crucifix submerged in a jar of urine of the artist's urine. And it was a photograph and Metallica used it on an album cover. And, you know, and that created a big controversy and uproar. And so they outdid themselves with the next follow up uh, album cover. So I won't go into what that was, but that's uh, another combination of just gross and far out. So they've never shied away from any kind of controversy. And I think the only point I was trying to make was that, you know, I think they went into this with eyes wide open working with Lou Reed. Right. And so when yeah. the idea of a lyric like this one, you know, uh, I swallow your sharpest cutter like a colored man's dick, when that gets thrown out and they're jamming and doing their thing, no one's really looking twice. No one's going, what the hell was that? Um, yeah, I think we need to take some time. Uh, guys, yeah. you know, why don't you go outside? We have a smoke here in the engineering room. Kind yeah. of talk. I don't think that was going on. I think they right. were just going, 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 going. Right. With especially what we with what we heard about that, uh, you know, the idea that Reed would like basically is a one and done kind of guy. You know, they would get through a take and the guys would be talking yeah. about how it could be better. And he'd be like, no, nah, there's no turning on. back. Right. So and that's it. Right. So you have to be fearless. And I think that was my only point is that I can no, that, and, I don't and, now I have a respect for the fearlessness, but I'm still very curious about the motive of a line like that. Because you know what, I'm, Greg, I mean, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, a line like that yeah. today, he would be crucified and canceled for for putting something like that out undefended, right? And I think even defended, he would probably have a hard time defending it. Yeah, but perhaps, I, I think in the context of, of this album, though, because it it is so far out there, um in terms of the music uh, on, on some of the tracks that we've heard so far and, and in terms of um, Lou's words, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty out there 
And I think people, you know, when when you're making such a strong artistic statement and when you're recognized as an artist, too, you know, I think you do get uh, some leeway uh, with, you know, because he clearly he's intentionally being provocative with with this entire work, with this entire yeah. album and with a lot of his lyrics and, and and music. Well, and sure, right. And now we know that he's being driven by an inner anger and pain. And, you know, this is his farewell and fuck you album. A, a, so, a physical pain, too. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, physical, you know, torment. I'm sure, you know, on every dimension, right? So, yeah, just, just knowing that, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to kind of, you know, see where this is going to go. But I don't want to be so forgiving as to kind of look at, you know... Because, you know, too, there's that idea of being provocative for the sake of being provocative. And I don't know, was Lou ever in that camp, Greg? Was he ever one of those guys that you think was doing it for less than, uh, you know, and in a, a reason of artistic integrity? Just, you know, being I'd, like, I'd like to I'd like to say it. not, you know, that that I mean, there there was, you know, I think for the most part, um, he was coming from an artistic place yeah. uh, in, in, in his whole creative life. And and I think he is here, too. Um, and so, um, yeah, I would I guess I would disagree and say that that I think there's some legitimacy to 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 these words and, and to his choice yeah. of words here. And I think it it's probably, you know, it's it's a defensible part of 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 a whole i mean you can't you know if you if you did something like cut out those two lines and and, and sort of isolate them and say look what lou reed said you know well that's not fair uh and so i think it has to be taken in the context of the larger yeah you know, I'm just I'm so, just trying to get the context, man. So I, uh, you know, I'm I'm with which you. Which we don't have yet. I don't know we that don't, we. I don't have think it we have it. No, because I'm but, I'm thinking now, right? With I, I think with what we were describing, we, and I think where you were going, I, I think we're you know, um, what we just went through, and we'll, we'll give them that margin, and I think we'll kind of get moved on, and I think we have to move on because we can get caught up on this like any mm-hmm. you know talk show and bunch of pundits with you know their ideas of what the hell he meant. That art hasn't revealed that for us yet. He has just said this. He has just laid this out there. He has just taken the entire, again, right, the entire play of Lulu and kind of uh, uh, put it into this last seven minutes. So now well, we're taking us to the end more tracks, of the play, right? right? He's right. taking us to all the way to the sort of when uh, the the very last scene when lulu gets stabbed exactly killed he's yeah. he seems to have taken us to that moment and so it sort of raises that question right um if, if we're on track three of a 10 track record and lou has already taken us to the last scene uh of, of the play what does he have in store for us uh in the next seven tracks uh so we're we're, um, you know, we have a lot of anticipation now, I think, to, to see uh, what comes next, because um, that's where Whittington left us. He he stopped at that point. That was the end. And, and we don't know any more about the Lulu story. So, you know, uh, maybe Lou Reed uh, is going to take um, the story uh, into a different direction. Maybe he's going to take this character and maybe he has some his own ideas of 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 
you know, where to go with this story to take it to the next level. I, Lulu may be alive or may, she may be gone, but but the story yeah. may carry forward in some way or another beyond the point when Lulu dies. Or alternatively, I think, you know, um, a lot of um, playwrights and, and, and people telling stories in, in whatever medium uh, will not necessarily have that linear structure in terms of right. time. And and so so he may be taking us now back again to the beginning it's, or to the it's middle. It's a classic classic Star Trek nonlinear temporal jumps. So I think what we're going to have <laughs> is a bunch of uh, flashbacks now. That's right? what I was thinking, Chaz. Star Trek. That's you know, the first it's thing Star Trek. in my mind. It's got to be Star know. Trek. Come on, all roads lead back to the bridge. Come on. So yeah. you know, the, here's the thing. They told us in the first song that there were ten stories. We're at number three. We're already at the end of the story that we know, having done our investigation. So not coming at this is totally. We've done our homework. We've done our homework. We recognize the whole damn story, including Jack the Ripper right here. Right. So, I mean, I had to go outside of all of my reading when I did Lulu to understand that that was actually Jack the Ripper that was doing her in at the end of the play, Um, because that wasn't clear to me when I read it. Um, So, I mean, even that context is here. Lou's got it. And so now, yeah, we've got seven more cuts. That's what I'm thinking. We're doing some time travel. They're going to take us back and forth. We're going to get, uh, when you look at some of the song titles, and we can do that in a minute, because that'll be what's, what are we looking forward to? What's coming up? But um, I, I think that's what's going to happen. And I, I just think, you know, again, um, he has, he's made, he, he said something in this song here. I'm like, okay, it's, uh, if you cut that song at it, to your point, if you cut that line out of this song in context, what does it do to it? I mean, honestly, so that's why I'm like, well, why did he choose to put it in there? What is he saying with it? Because if you took it out, especially given what I just heard, it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of difference, honestly, in my impression of what we've got. And and what we do have is we actually have a little less than a minute left. So, Greg, why don't we hit the button, see where this goes, see how this wraps up, and then we can wrap, come back and wrap it up. I like it. Job is kind of like a colored man's dick, but spreading from me. Blood spreading from me. Oh, Jack. Oh, Jack. I beseech you. In the end, it was an ordinary heart. In the end, it was an ordinary heart. Pumping blood. That was cool in that I, I recognized every one of the contributors there as they were playing. I recognized every every player in Metallica, you know, so that was that's how distinctive each one of those guys are. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was that good because it was very simple. Right. Just kind of 
you know, really thunderous support for this very, very harsh reality that we're just left to sit with. And that, that, to me, that was like, this is sitting in, you're taking it, you know, it's like the last push it in your face, the way they just kind of made it sit down with you there. God. And, 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 and this song had just so many distinctive parts to it. Holy shit. Did it not? Wow. Yeah. It did. Like you said before, right? It was like, there were little movements within this thing. I mean, I was having some movements when we were kind of listening to some of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I was moving and grooving uh, right. at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That ending, I mean, was, was such a um, distinct yeah. uh, part, uh, you know, separate from the, the, the section right before that where Lou is, is reciting some of your uh, favorite uh, lyrics really of the song. <laughs> Can't get enough of that stuff, man. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I, I, I would, I, you know, I, 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 I might disagree with you a little bit about if you take that line out about um, uh, colored man's dick um, and and that it's superfluous and it, I, I think it, it changes it and it may change it dramatically uh, because um, it gets your attention. And, well, it and depends on what and, he's trying to say too. Yeah, and and it's it's real it's strong language, and um, I think you know, kind of Lou is setting us up a little bit with that language in, uh, uh, intentionally, um, that he's coming for a, from a place where he's gonna he's gonna push pretty pretty far. He wants to poke us with that because he's got something big he wants us thinking about. Yeah, he want, I, I, I don't know exactly. He's going to wave know. it in our face because he really wants us to. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying, Greg. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, how far this man will go to make his artistic point. Yeah, well, clearly he'll go pretty far. And I think that says what something is it, what is in it and of itself. And from whose perspective? Because with that line and what that is, I mean, if the context is, it's coming from the prostitute, I right? Well, is. then that's quite different than coming from. No, I, that's the way I read it. That, that Lulu is saying that, right? So she's saying that, but is that in the spirit of? But in, then, in what spirit is that? Right? Is that in the spirit of, uh, you know, the prostitute that we know that is the you know the aggressor and the manipulator? Or is that from the uh, point of the you know young scruffian uh, lifted up and you know off the streets at an early age by those horrible men, right? So where is that coming from? Because that's I mean, which what, of Lulu's voices is that coming yeah, from? Yeah, exactly. That, that's a great way to put it. Which of Lulu's voices? Because I do think you're right there, as our friend Sully was inquiring or asking us to do earlier, identify who's speaking when. I think there are multiple Lulu voices beyond just the good and evil. Just Lulu. to make it even more complicated. I think the young and the old Lulu voice too, like the the naive and the wise, you know, the innocent and the evil. I think we're getting, yeah, I think it's going to even be more than that when we're all Let safe. me throw something else out at you, Chaz. Okay. Um, we know that the, um, the Lulu plays has a, a place, um, takes place in a, in a, specific historical time period and and specific historical place yes 
uh, sort of turn of the century Berlin, you know, yep. uh, is is the setting. And maybe he speak what Lou, Lou Reed is doing is is he's speaking in that voice. And because we were talking about the world, the word colored, which, of course, is not one that we would use today. And it's not really um, it's not politically correct. It's not it's not something that's that's used to describe right, somebody who's black or African-American. But in that, you know, 1900 time frame, that probably is what Lulu would say. Mm. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure on that context. Right. And being in Berlin and all that, I, I don't I really couldn't couldn't say. But perhaps know. you see what I, that, I, just, I do. Just throwing yes. it out. I don't. Right. Obviously, there's no answer that, that we have to that. But but in thinking it through, I think that, you know, yeah. if you if you put yourself in Lulu's place and and, and Lulu's right. voice. Okay. It, yeah. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's yeah, I don't I don't think out. that's forgiving anything. I think that's, you know, you're trying to say that yes, for the the period that may not be so out of line. Um so we well, have to kind of divorce ourselves from this norm that we've got today that well, we would yeah. want to cancel such uh conversation. Cuz Lou Reed isn't saying it, right? It's it's what if what if Lou right, had written a not, novel? Right. No, no, it's Lulu. Right. Right? If Lou had written a novel and he had written it about a prostitute in Berlin, in 1900 and the that character said that phrase right i'm with and you. it was period appropriate yes okay sure i'm you good wouldn't cancel you. lou for for his character being and and no and i wouldn't. You can't cancel lou if his character is a racist right right well it's very much like we had in the news with this week our um our friend, um, who was it, uh, Ben Stiller, coming forward and defending uh, the, the Tropic Thunder, or the, the movie they did where um, mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, appeared in blackface, uh, just in the news this week, defending that. Uh, yeah. Both the actor and the director uh, mm -hmm. defending mm -hmm. that decision and saying they would do it again um, because yeah. of the spirit of it and all that. So, yeah, yeah, really interesting stuff. I think, Greg, we are talking about things and I'm just sitting here kind of looking at us in the zoom lenses going, how did we get into this? We were, we were just kind of looking at this thing going, Oh, you know, yeah, it sounds like an interesting conversation, Chaz. Sure. Why not? We can catch up. Let's do it. <laughs> and now it's taking on this incredible life of its own. Yeah, so we had no what, idea what we were getting into. We really didn't. And I think we could sit here just with, I mean, I, I'm still kind of like my eyes are, I'm blinking. I'm still kind of in a, a state over this third song. So as I've kind of said, you know, the first song, I wasn't there. The second song, I'm good. So I was 50-50. Coming into it now, I like this. I really did. Um, as, a, as a song, I know you're not in that school of wanting to say, you know, on a song-by-song -song basis, do you like it or not? But I do have to say that as I consider just that that song in this capsule, in these, these 10 capsules that they've given us, these 10 stories, um, I liked it because of the way it built on the last one. So I guess I am looking at it more as it's a it's a work that's in progress and it's building, right? So that's why I'm willing Definitely to give building. margin here because I'm hoping that more will be revealed and we're going to figure out what he's talking about, why he said it this way, and it will all become clear at the end. Where I won't forgive him is if we get to the end and it was all just a bunch of shocking bullshit. And he was just mad and he wasn't feeling well. So he was just bitching. And he was taking it out on us. Fuck you record to everybody and everything. And then he was just burning down the world. Uh, uh, and he got and Metallica may, to play the background music for it. That may be. But, but, maybe. You know, 
from the point that we're at right now, it seems like this is richer than what we expected. I do think that there's a lot more here than I ever gave them credit it's for. It's deeper than what it we absolutely expected. is. Yeah. yeah. So I'm certainly not at the place that I was when we came in three episodes ago, but I'm certainly not uh, putting it on for my next uh, dancing soiree here. At- and, and you're not, you're certainly not at a place where you're ready to um, agree with uh, David Bowie uh, in his. Assessment. Yeah. 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 Oh. On, on now either one of two dimensions. Uh, Cause I did again, you know, more research after seeing the, the comment uh, in the book that we just read where he says it's uh, the most honest record. Um, to the fact that he said it's a masterpiece. The only other kind of context I found um, is that Bowie and uh, Lou Reed, I guess, had a little falling out long, 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 long time ago, I guess, made up for it, made friends, but I guess always teased each other. So then there's this kind of, there was this writer whose opinion was, well, maybe that was, you know, Bowie kind of just throwing one last teasing shot at Lou too. So maybe, you know, you know, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, because the rest of the review wasn't too kind. So, um, yeah, like I, and that's so he might've been sarcastic. About I don't really want to read too many reviews. What's that? He might've been being sarcastic about he his phrase. Been. He might've been, but again, now, um, you know, Laurie Anderson coming out after the funeral saying that this is what Bowie said to her, you know, so we have to take it for what yeah. it's worth because Laurie is the right, one who right, is right. here and can answer to that. So we're on this journey. We could sit and talk about it again, I think more all night long, but let's hold off until our next episode. Uh, we've got, uh, gosh, we've got seven more tracks uh, that we will uh, be here and be covering um, from Lulu. Greg, what else is going on in your world as we wrap up this week? Anything you want to share? Oh, not too much going on uh, out here. Um, we're, you know, we're booking some gigs with the band, so that's always fun. We're starting to look towards the uh the summer and there's some some stuff starting to pop up there so uh hoping to get um the band out uh maybe some outdoor gigs uh over the summer uh and um the next thing we're doing is is at a place here in Westport Connecticut uh Basso with the band in in uh, April Basso, uh, that's, that's the gonna... place where the guy comes out, the guy who owns the place comes out and he plays the congas with you, doesn't he? Yeah, the chef, Chef yeah. Renato uh, at this wonderful restaurant. And, and he's he's a, quite an accomplished uh, drummer and plays uh, congas and has a, it's kind of cool. He has a whole PA and conga and a little mini stage uh, and he's got the drums all mic'd up and he's ready to go. And he jams with all the bands that he gets to come in and, and play at the restaurant. So, yeah, it's, I've never had that experience. Never had the chef come out and jam with us before at a gig. But that's what Chef Renato does. You know, brings out a nice bowl of pasta, maybe a couple he of does. small plates. Huh? Yeah. Some tapas. Yeah. All right. All Very nice. Yeah. Right. So that's on. Uh, that'll be on the 23rd, April 23rd. All right. Westport, Connecticut. So that's what's happening. Folks, if you're up and around the way, stop by Basso. Check out Accidental Breakdown. So, um, Featuring Chef here. Renato on the conga drums. The one, the only, finger-licking good, <laughs> finger-licking congas. Uh, that's probably not a good thing. No, 
Um, no, take that back. <laughs> do not do any finger no, licking. No, we don't want that. No, none of that going on around here. No. Um, but so on he, the t- on it on all that delicious food that he's cooking up, finger you looking go. good. Bring it on in. Bring, Bring it, it on in. in. Sit that down. We'll take that yeah, all day. Sit it down. <laughs> so yeah. So um, in my world here, still revenge. We're just uh, working hard, adding songs to our set list, and putting together some dates for what will be the outdoor dan- jamming session here in northern Colorado. So mm. more to come on that. No dates to announce at the moment, but. Uh, other than that, keeping myself and busy off the streets with our podcast and with getting to know um, all of our new colleagues and friends over in the Deep Dive Podcast Network, uh, Greg. Um, so not only have I been very fortunate and, again, want to be uh, very, very uh, want to say thank you to our friends at and the podcast. will rock. Uh, Corey and Mark for having me on and allowing me to uh, share the story of what we're doing here at Regarding Lulu and having a lot of fun with them dissecting a very bad song. Um, But uh, getting to know the other podcasts on the network that we're on with our friends over there at Podcast Will Rock. And um, I'm just going to go through and enumerate, Greg, uh, the company that we now uh, sit with. We're we're grateful to be in their company. We are, yeah. And I can't wait to see our logo on their page. Here it is. The Deep Purple Podcast, Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Skinnered Reconsidered, In the Lap of the Pods, which is about Queen. Uh, if you didn't guess the other two, one of them's about Black Sabbath, one's Leonard Skinnered. I'll let you figure that out. Then there's the Magician, the Magicians Podcast. There's Hawk Binge, which is a, a, Hawk, a, a Hawkwind podcast of all bands. Um, Maiden, A to Z, Iron Maiden. Diary of a Madman. Of the Mad Men, I take it back. Diary of the Mad Men. Um, Metal Gods podcast. Uh, it's all things Judas Priest. Universally Speaking podcast about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, you've got um, a couple of um, uh, podcasts that are hosted by uh, our friend Corey from And the Podcast Will Rock. And that would be Aerosmith's Backtracks. And Backtracks, uh, I think that is theme music. Yes. Um, there's another one, Greg. We're not done yet. No. Let me get a breath. Hold on. Okay. Ah, so far, so pod, so what? It is the uh, All Things Megadeth podcast. You've got the Tom Petty Project, which we've discussed before. And then Very you've nice. got T-Bone's Prime Cuts. Um, and so, Greg, uh, we're here, a part of this network, and so grateful to be here. I have been uh, using some of my spare time to consume and catch up on some of these podcasts um, I would recommend that everybody go check it, check these guys out. Uh, hopefully we'll get to know these guys a whole lot more and there'll be a lot more uh, for us to share. Um, and I think with that, Greg, we're going to call it a wrap on this week. Uh, we're going to come back next time and talk about track four, Mistress Dread. So you know what I wanted to do too, in the spirit of Lou releasing Open Invitation and to to tag on to what you you mentioned earlier, we're going to yeah. keep that open invitation theme for anybody in the the Metalli sphere or you know the, the the world of Metallica, the world of Lou Reed, uh, the world of podcasting, music podcasting, uh, or you know friends of ours. If you want to come on and you want to talk about our enemies of ours, you want to come on talk about Lulu with us. If you have a a track that uh, you particularly maybe know between now and the, the end of this record and want to be on with us and talk about the genius or the the slobbery of. 
uh, would be happy to. Or, or Chaz, maybe even if someone from from Basel, Switzerland, wanted to come on the podcast from, uh, Amen. The, uh, Lumbago Surfers, or the Lumbago like that, Surfers, right? are they coming back? Uh, dude, we gotta have them in. Yeah. Pick a song, pick a day. Let's slot it. Let's make it happen. Very cool. Yeah. All right. We could, uh, that we could have some fun with that for sure. Uh, those are good guys. Yeah. Well, hey, have you come snappy sign-off? A, a snappy one? Snappy sign-off. Have you come up with a snappy sign-off, Greg? Oh, gosh. I was supposed to work on that, wasn't I? You were. I thought so. Oh, boy. Put my um, and, and, you know, we're nothing if not snappy. Um, well, you know. People who know us know, again, know I mean, that about us. I got Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, got to say. We like to keep it tight. We like to keep it tight and fair. Well, we always keep it fair, but we keep we keep it snappy and we keep it tight. So and like Stu um, Leonard, we're always looking for a, a a deal on on breasts to put a bone in, so you know, or some butt steak. <laughs> Are you going back to the Buffalo Wild Wings thing? <laughs> I had to, I had to just touch on it, and I wanted to bring Stu. I don't Leonard think the folks in. know who Stu Leonard is. I, I had but... I had a Stu Leonard vision. Maybe we'll go into that next time. But I oh, think okay. you know what. Well, Maybe you can draw on your on your experience with Stu Leonard signage to come up with a snappy sign off for us, Greg. You know what? Maybe, can I quote Stu Leonard? Go for it. I, I don't know if it's totally appropriate, but it's it's almost always appropriate to say this. The customer is always right. You got it. And if and, the customer's ever wrong, Jazz. Yeah. See rule number one. The customer's always right. Hot damn. Yeah. Right. That's what that's the Stu Leonard motto. We'll go into more. Maybe we can go into that a little more next time. But um, you know, <laughs> this is we're doing this for the customer, right? We do this for we the are. Listeners. Our and customers are our listeners. They may not be paying us anything for it, but but we appreciate them nonetheless. And they may not uh, even pay, be listening. they're paying us with their time and attention. So we appreciate. Right. If if they do that or not, you know, at this point, um, we're just assuming that they will. And that they are, and that they somehow appreciate it. And you know what? That's all I need is my assumption. And with that, I'm good because, you know, for me, that's fair. And, you know, if I'm nothing, I'm fair. Yeah. If I'm fair, I'm nothing. Wait. And, and, and no. for me, what? you know, for, and for me, the, the customer's always right. And, you know, I just. <laughs> and so they're wrong and then they're right, baby. Yeah. I mean, well, if they're wrong, they're still right because they're the customer and, that and we're here to we're here to serve right we are we're your humble servants we are your humble servants here on regarding lulu your walk into the wild side with lou reed and metallica so until next time see you next time see you next time